0: Hello, hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Wisdom's Echo. This is a daily podcast brought to you exclusively by Origin Gate. My name is Elijah Ward, and I have the incredible privilege and the exciting honor of sharing with you an insight for the day. Now, I'm really excited today because I have with me right here in my lap my 3-year-old and her name is Misha. Um, I told the girls, I've been spending the day with my daughters today, and uh, I told them that Daddy's going to share on the podcast today some stuff that Yahweh's been saying that we've been discussing um, and just worshiping about today. And she said, Daddy, can I come with you? And I said, absolutely. So she is sitting in my lap right now. And I think it's powerful because the moment that we think that our engagement and the degree of kind of... Um, spiritual activity that we exist um, within and that we uh, kind of set ourselves to engage, the moment that that becomes too important for our children to come with us, I think that's a little bit crazy. So um, unless you become like a child, right? So I'm very excited that she's here with me. She's cuddling her head on my shoulder. And uh, and we're going to just share from our hearts today about friendship with Yahweh. Now, Yahweh is a God of communion, and that means that really it means that he chooses to bring himself, to make himself accessible in a plane of existence where he can interface with his people, where he can speak with us and we can speak with him. The concept of communion is very um, it's very give and take. It's not a one-way thing. It's not just he speaks. It's not just we Um, we do this and he does that. The concept of relationship is that there's a giving and a receiving. There's a pouring out and there's a filling in and there's a returning of that. And Yahweh chooses to make himself available for that kind of access. We are called to have interactive friendship with God in exchange. And a great example of this is Moses. I've been studying and engaging the life of Moses face to face, um, and, uh, and really learning about kind of looking into his life and his ministry and the way he interacts with Yahweh scripturally and allowing that to minister to me and teach me about the degree of access that I really have in my relationship with Yahweh. Now, Scripture says in Exodus 33, actually, one of my favorite uh, verses, it says that... that Moses spoke to Yahweh face to face as though he were speaking to a friend. And so what that means is that he had an uncommon degree of access to commune with God, to interface with the king of all creation, with Melech Haolam, And because of that relationship that Moses had, um, In all these different situations, we saw him coming close to Yahweh, being willing to go and actually calling out for more. There was a moment in time when he actually asked Yahweh. um, It almost sounds like a cry from his heart. He says, please show me your glory. And there were these moments where Moses would be called onto and into the mountain and he would be empowered. He would be strengthened on that mountain. He would be equipped to carry out a plan. He would be given very specific instructions um, to deliver the nation of Israel from out of bondage and, and into the glorious liberty of their land of promise. And I find it so powerful And so interesting, though, that there was – there's a – I believe that because of this degree of relationship that that Moses had, that it was face-to-face as though he were speaking to a friend, I I began thinking, you know, does Yahweh need that? Now, I know we do, but – I've had this question lodged in my spirit lately. Does Yahweh need that degree of relationship in the same way that we do? That our hearts cry out for. Like scripture says eternity is written on our hearts. I personally believe every human heart was designed to crave the essence of divinity that can only be found in the heart of Yahweh and through the and through the um through the piercings of of Yeshua. And so I've been asking, you know, is is that something that Yahweh needs too? Because if there's a if communion is real for us, then that means that he receives in the same way that we do. That there's an exchange. It's not just us drawing life out of him and sucking resources out of him. It's us pouring back in, which means that he has to a degree some capacity to receive from us. And um, you know, there was a moment when um when moses was actually told and i think this is awesome moses in his relationship that he had um i think it was on page yeah page 148 here there was a moment in deuteronomy chapter 3 when moses was instructed to do something and this has been sticking out to me um as just so incredibly interesting that i had to share it with you today um but Moses was being told at a certain point that he was forbidden to enter into the land of promise. And so even though he was he had a degree of relationship with Yahweh that might have even been unprecedented at that time, like he was a one who would actually go up and encounter the very real, tangible presence of Yahweh, so much so that he would be called a friend of God. And so although he had that degree of access, he was actually told that he couldn't enter the promised land because it was going to go to, that privilege would be given to his successor named Joshua. But um, there's a part in here in scripture in in chapter 3 of Deuteronomy, verse 27, Yahweh commands Moses. He says, go up to the top of Pisgah and lift up your eyes westward and northward and southward and eastward and look at it with your eyes. For you shall not go over this Jordan, but charge Joshua and encourage and strengthen him. For he shall go over at the head of this people, and he shall put them in possession of the land that you shall see. And so he's given a charge in this passage to ascend a mountain, to go up a mountain, and to strengthen Joshua. Now, when you look into the Strong's Concordance for the name Joshua, um, one of the things I wrote in my book, Zion Here and Now, is that um, the name Joshua um, actually means Jehovah is salvation. And in Hebrew, when you get back to the root of it, it's um, Strong's Reference H3091, and it's Yehoshua. And Yehoshua, the literal um, the the definition there says uh, Yehoshua, Jehovah is salvation or Yahweh is salvation and it says the son of Nun of the tribe of Ephraim and successor to Moses as the leader of the children of Israel and so this, um, this man Joshua is actually a man who's charged with succeeding Moses and carrying everyone into the promise but his name means Yahweh is salvation. Now that sounds Familiar because when you go to uh, the New Testament in Greek and you click on the name Jesus. Um, and I'm trying to draw, conclu- and you guys know probably the connection I'm going to make, because Scripture makes the same connection. But when you look at Jesus in Scripture and click on it, of course, that's uh, Strong's reference, G2424, which is Iesus. But it brings you back, the first thing that comes up is the Hebrew origin of H3091, which is Joshua. And the first definition that comes up is Yahweh is salvation. And so, essentially, there's a prophetic picture of Moses going up this mountain to strengthen Joshua because Joshua is the one that was ordained by Yahweh to carry the people of Yahweh into the land of promise. And it's a prophetic picture of the coming king, our Mashiach, Yeshua. And so, um, I found that to be so interesting, especially after I considered this. When you look at Luke chapter 22... This is where things get awesome. Luke chapter 22, verse 43, it says this. I'm actually going to read from the beginning of this little paragraph, starting in verse 39. Yeshua is praying on a mountain. It says this, And he came out and went, and as as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to that place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation." And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And verse 43 says this, and there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. So there was a moment in the timeline of Yeshua's earthly ministry when he found himself to be overwhelmed by the size of the scroll, if you want to call it that, by the, the magnitude of the task that he was to carry out. And he needed to be strengthened. So so very much similar to that encounter that Moses had. Moses, because remember, Moses was commanded to go up a mountain and find Joshua, Yahshua. And to strengthen him so that he would have the fortitude internally, the the internal fortitude to carry out um, the task of Yahweh of getting the people of the, the, the nation of Israel into the promised land. Well, very much similar to that, Yeshua is on a mountain crying out for support, crying out for the father to take this cup. And, and he even says, though, nonetheless, your will, not mine, but your, but your will. He shows this sign of, 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 many people would call it, he, he puts on display his humanity there. But in that moment, God in the flesh needed strengthening, and an angel appeared from heaven to strengthen him. I personally believe that the angelic presence there was not an angel, or you could call him an angel, I guess a messenger. I believe it was Moses. I believe that what happened is that when Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 3 physically went up a mountain to strengthen Joshua, he was actually going up that mountain so that Yahweh could fold time and he was strengthening Joshua. I think that Moses was on the degree of friendship with Yahweh to such an extent that Yahweh would use Moses even outside the scope of his natural timeline of existence and would go to such a great length to fold the entire timeline over itself so that he could interact personally with Yeshua the Messiah. And be that source of strength to him as a friend. Because remember, he's a friend of God. Because he spoke to God face to face. This was him, I believe, speaking to Yeshua face-to-face in that moment, strengthening him to encounter his Tav, to encounter the finishing moment that sealed the entire narrative of history with the love of Yahweh and made accessible the entire reality, spiritually, spiritually and naturally, of this concept of the promised land. That in order to do that, Yahweh would make himself vulnerable enough in relationship with humanity to be strengthened by one who would be called a friend of Yahweh. So I just want to encourage you guys with that. This is something that's been heavy on my heart, and I'm so thankful that Yahweh would make himself accessible to me, that I would have a degree of access to him that would give me that place in his life and in his heart that a friend would have that kind of intimacy. It's such a beautiful picture. um, And it's just so encouraging to know that he really does love us that much and that there's nothing we could do that would remove from us that seed of access. The blood of Yeshua has the purchasing power to afford us that right and that position to be with Yahweh where he is and be a friend to him. So, I just want to bless you all with that. I declare grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come forever and ever, glory to glory into all the ages. I could keep going forever, but I have to wrap up this podcast. <laughs> I bless you with that. Shalom.